Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What's up, everybody? Matt Kajeski here, back again with the Odd Shopper channel. Today, we're talking some college basketball. It is Monday, February the 26th. We're three weeks out from Selection Sunday. Everything's heating up. We have three big Power Six conference games tonight, a bunch of mid-majors. We'll talk it all. Before we get started, make sure to hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel, and hit the notification bell so you know when this and all other content goes live. We're also brought to you by BetMGM. They have a limited time offer for those of you in legal betting states, with the exception of New York, Puerto Rico, and Nevada. What you'll do is click the link in the video description below, make a deposit of at least $5, turn that $5 around, wager on any team, total, market. Whether it wins or loses, you are getting $150 in the form of bonus bets. $150 you didn't have, that's huge heading into conference tournaments, March Madness. You can allocate that however you'd like. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, please call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. You must be 21 or older to play in most areas. All right, shorter video today. I'm heading to the dentist. I chipped my front tooth on a, on a spoon. That's neither here nor there, but had to cut the video a little short. So we'll do a little rapid fire at the end after talking the big games. Circling back to the weekend briefly, we did learn a lot. I think major just high-level takeaways. Houston looked awesome. Against Baylor, a game that went into overtime, but Houston got it done on the road. They battled their usual fouls, but persisted. So that was a huge win for them. We'll talk about Baylor today. We saw Kentucky play really, really well, score over 100 points against Bama. That's something that I think if they can put together routinely, Kentucky is going to be a really dangerous team. North Carolina wins on the road. That was pretty expected against Virginia, a team that hasn't scored 50 points in three straight games egregiously. Duke, they fall victim to Wake Forest. We've been Big fans of Wake Forest this year, so seeing them pick up a key win was huge. As far as Duke moving forward, Filipkowski injured in the court storming. I don't really have anything to say about that. Take care of business and you won't be victim to court stormings. But yeah, that's a question for them moving forward. Otherwise, not too much in the low-level stuff. Washington State did not cover. We were on BYU. That did not work out. BC could not cover against NC State, which is little bit concerning for that team moving forward, but let's turn the page. Overall, it ended up being a profitable weekend, and that's what counts. So we have three games in Power Six conferences tonight, and we'll start with Miami taking on North Carolina. The beginning of the year, you would have told me this is a 14-point spread. I would have told you you're crazy, but that's where we stand right now with Miami. The total is 154.5, which I think is a bit rich. We'll talk about why. Miami is in complete free fall. They have been for a while now. They've dealt with injuries. I hesitate to say this is all to blame. They have a large NIL budget that they spend each offseason. And what they've gotten from some of these players is simply unacceptable. But they have been hurt. Most recently, that's been Nigel Pack. He's still not playing. I don't think we see him today, which is a huge question for this team. He's one of their better shooters. They need to shoot the ball well in this matchup if they're going to hang with North Carolina. They did shoot the ball well in the first matchup for the most part, and Nigel Pack was the engine of that. He was four of eight from three, and that really kept them in the game. North Carolina had a they had a three-point win 
against Miami, but that was on Miami's home court. Now, of course, they're on the road. So, I mean, if they don't have pack, they're going to rely on Keyshawn George, who's a 40% three-point shooter. Wuga Poplar's at 41. But with these, you still have a lot of ebbs and flows. These guys have massive samples, over 100 attempts each from three. Poplar's at 146. But still a good shooter there. The matchup is still really tough for this Miami team. I mean, they seed a ton of height in every matchup. But against Baycott and Harrison Ingram on the interior, this North Carolina team is 61st in effective height. Miami's 239th. If Norchad gets in foul trouble, this team is absolutely cooked. Keyshawn George has been awesome for this team, but he's still only a 6'8 freshman. When you're battling veterans like Harrison Ingram and Armando Baycott, that's not going to be a matchup you really want to bet on. So North Carolina has vast advantages inside. Both these teams are pretty good at shooting threes. We mentioned Miami. The only reason that game was within three points the first time they met is because they shot the three well. They're 38th in three-point percentage. The problem is you have excellent defenders on the perimeter for North Carolina as well. It's not just Baycott and Ingram. R.J. Davis has been solid. Seth trembles back, and while he's only getting about 15 minutes per game, he is one of the better defenders on paper. So it wouldn't be surprising to see him jump maybe back up to 18, 20 minutes in this game as they try to defend Poplar. Nigel, if he plays, Bensley Joseph, whoever it may be for Miami. But the reason I think you can look to the tempo in an under instead of the spread, which is ballooned pretty far, is just pacing. North Carolina has been pretty consistent pacing-wise all season long. They're hovered around 45, 50. They've ebbed and flowed a little bit in that range. But Miami has slowed from 109th, that's their season-long tempo, to 231 in the last six weeks. And I think a lot of this just has to do with injuries, They're playing a short bench and guys are going to get tired when you're playing 39 minutes a game. And that's what they've had to do with some players because of injuries. I don't anticipate this tempo being any faster. They're also trying to add volatility to games by reducing possession simply because they're outmatched in a lot of games. So that is the main driver of the under in this pick. North Carolina should be able to largely do what they want inside. They'll face a little more resistance from three, but then this is a terrible offensive matchup for Miami with North Carolina excelling really everywhere. Miami is good on offense. All right, let's head to our second contest. We are in the big 12. We have Baylor taking on TCU. Baylor, we talked about briefly at the beginning of the show. We saw them over the weekend, overtime game against Houston. No shame losing a game against Houston. But now they face TCU. These teams have the same record. I do think there is a gap in talent. Baylor, should have advantages over TCU. But Baylor's a team that doesn't exactly defend well. They're fifth in offense, 98th in defense. TCU's a little more balanced. Both of these teams are pretty decent with all the effective height metrics. Baylor's 21st, TCU is 90th, so not really seeing anything there. You can see that in the rebounding numbers. We've got two top 30 rebounding units and two teams that attack the offensive glass, both top 25. So what are the edges I think this really just comes down to Baylor shooting and like Bama, like some of these other teams that live and die by the three, it can lead to streaky performances, but Baylor's still number two in the country in three point percentage. They're one thirty fourth in three point rate TCU. They defend the three decently 64th overall, but this is a matchup that Baylor should be able to win on the inside. There's also matchup advantages really for both teams. We have two teams top 70 ish, and scoring on the interior, and two defense that are outside the top 175 at defending that area. So I don't really see this as an advantage for either team. Both teams should have success scoring inside. 
when you look at the margin of three-point percentage versus three-point defense for these teams, Baylor should have a slight edge over TCU in this area. The other thing that TCU really relies on and what boosts their defensive efficiency numbers is their turnovers created. They're 26th in turnovers forced. Baylor is 193 at turnovers committed, which isn't the best number. So this is a slight concern for me, especially with Baylor potentially being down lengths in love again, which looks like it'll be the case. You're really reliant on Ray J. Dennis at the point guard to not turn the ball over. And his turnover rate is pretty high this year, which is a bit surprising. You look at Ray J. Dennis throughout his career, his storied career across programs. The turnover rate hasn't always been this high. This is a guy that had an 11.5% turnover rate at Toledo last year. Low level of competition, I know. But it's jumped to 24% at Baylor. I think we do see some positive regression for Ray J. Dennis in turnovers. But honestly, this is more of a leap of faith than anything that's analytical. You can just look at the full sample for Ray J. Dennis, the turnovers he's had this year. And hopefully that'll be enough where, you know, this TCU team doesn't actually turn over Baylor all that much in this game. But I took a three. This is moving to two and a half. If you can find threes, I think this is worth taking at two and a half. I'm a little hesitant. This just speaks to some of the tools we have over at Odd Shopper. Use this. It makes your life so easy. You can filter by state. You can filter by book. Whatever it is you use, this is highly customizable. It gives you the best place to find these wagers and attack these teams. We also have a ton in these packages. We have a market-based approach, which gives you plus EV bets across sports. It's not just college basketball. There's NBA, NHL, player props, whatever it is that you like to attack. And now our Discord's included. Everything's included in this package. It's $14.95 for your first week. It is $49.95 for a month. There's no long-term commitments. Check it out. I think it'll help you guys a lot. It helps me a lot. But Baylor plus three, if you can find it. Two and a half, I think, is okay. Wouldn't be at the top of the card. Let's go to game number three. We're going to remain in the Big 12. West Virginia takes on TCU. This is a game, excuse me, Kansas State. We just talked TCU. West Virginia, Kansas State. Game with a 10-point spread in favor of Kansas State. We've talked about West Virginia a lot on this show. They are a team that hasn't been healthy aside from a few games this year. And a team that I've been trying to buy low on, it worked against Iowa State. They had a pretty good game. That box score was a little weird. Somehow they withstood 23 turnovers, which is a big issue for that team. Against Iowa State, it was largely just inefficiency on the part of the Cyclones where West Virginia covers that spread. But it was 18 points. I mean, they, they kept it within single digits. So props to West Virginia. It was a good showing for them. And now they'll face Kansas State, who plays a little bit like Iowa State, but it's more of just a poor man's version. They can't score, and they've actually gotten significantly worse at scoring. And I'm not sure it's getting better anytime soon. They play a very tight rotation. It's just basically Perry, Carter, and Kaluma getting every single minute, and then they'll rotate a couple of the guys around them. But West Virginia has shown pretty decent improvements since they got their players back, and it's been the opposite for Kansas State. Since conference play, really, January started, West Virginia 143 in offensive efficiency, so they've jumped about 20 spots there. Defensive efficiencies remain consistent. They're at 117. Effective field goal has made a massive jump. This team is just more efficient on offense. They go from 263 all the way up to 127 in the last six weeks. Kansas State has experienced the exact opposite. You look at this team over the last six weeks in Big 12 play. They were 214th in effective field goal percentage on the year. They've dropped to 238. 
their overall offensive efficiency has gone from 174 to 238. Now on defense, stalwart, that's something that's going to be consistent for this team. But man, they cannot score the ball and it is getting worse. With the defensive stuff for West Virginia, I think you also have room for improvement just getting Edwards back, their overall best defender on the floor. And with Kansas State, you really only have to worry about the three, and they're not even that good at that. Two-point percentage, this team, they are 100th, and then they shoot a ton of threes. 81st in the country, three-point rate. The problem is they're 310th in three-point percentage. So, I mean, if West Virginia can do a reasonable job defending the three, this team should have a chance to cover this spread. As far as some of the ancillary stuff, rebounding, there is a gap, but height-wise, there's not. It's 55 to 67. So I do think you I do think you see this narrow with West Virginia, 232 in rebounding. That's going to come up just having Edwards back. Turnover stuff, neither team really generates a ton of them. Kansas State definitely generates more, but not talking vast gaps. And foul trouble, neither team really deals with fouls all that much. So in a game that projects to be fairly slower in pace, West Virginia, 128, Kansas State, 215. Think we can take the value of the point with West Virginia in this spot. All right, let's get to one greasy game. We have Delaware State taking on NC Central. This is a game where I'm going to back a home team in NC Central. And I think if you can find a four and a half, a four, it's fine. I'm seeing some fives. If that's the number you end up grabbing, no problem. Of course, use Odd Chopper. Find the best one you can. Overall edges for Delaware State and NC Central. Most of them lie on the NC Central side. Offense, there's a vast gap. It's 265 to 348. On defense, there's a slight edge Delaware's direction on the year, but I think this is actually moved towards NC Central as conference play has started shooting. It's not even close. NC Central, 267. Delaware State, 341. There is one I want to highlight here. Rebounding. NC Central, they're 338th in effective high. Delaware State is 38th. This gap, we have a top 100 rebounding team in Delaware State versus NC Central, 255. Now, neither team is dealing with any injuries, so this is with full personnel. There's been a shift over the last six weeks in conference. It's a smaller sample, so take this for what it's worth, but I at least want to mention it. Offensive rebounding percentage for NC Central has gone up to 116th in the last six weeks. Defense has gone to 126th. Meanwhile, Delaware State, offensive 121, defensive 288. The gap is significantly narrowed between these two teams since conference plays really gotten underway since the new year. Again, there is a height advantage Delaware State's direction, so I hesitate to really buy into these numbers, but they are there, and it needs to be noted. Aside from that, effective field goal percentage over the last six weeks, it has not gotten better for Delaware State. They're 293, whereas NC Central is 148. Meanwhile, the defensive efficiency between these teams has narrowed. So the one potential edge you see with Delaware State, it's starting to evaporate as NC Central gets their legs under them in conference play. I'm seeing four still. I'm also seeing fives. I show model or I show value with the model even at five. So I think this is a number you could potentially look at, assuming you can't find the four. Otherwise, that'll do it for us. Let's rapid fire a few other interesting ones as I'm headed to the dentist here shortly. Liking Texas Southern Arkansas Pine Bluff and over at 147 and a half. Prairie View AM Mississippi Valley State and over at 135 and a half. Lamar covering the 11 at McNeese. 
and Alabama State, Bethune-Cookman taking Alabama State plus three. That is all I have for now. It's a shorter slate, so talk the four in depth, the four extras. If you have any questions, reach out to me on Twitter at Matt underscore Gajeski. DMs are open. You can also leave a comment below. That helps the video a ton. If you've done that, thank you very much. We'll be back tomorrow for a full Super Tuesday. Until then, good luck, everyone. We'll see you next time.